Welcome back to Hire, everybody. The podcast full of wicked stories from the job market and experts showing us how to succeed in it. Because we've all been there, haven't we? It's time to get unstuck. It's time to make some change. It's time to lead. And it's time to hit that funky beat, Nikki Simmons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you love the spotlight, Tom, or is it something you shy away from? Oh, you know me. I am a total rampensau. A rampensau? It's German and word for word translates to rampsau. Rampsau? Ugh, it reminds me of school German. Well, the expression means to say, loving the stage. Which you do. I do. Did you know I used to be an extra in Moby Dick on Hamburg's theatre stages way back when? I did not. But what the hell does that have to do with anyone's career fulfillment? Well, in a world that seemingly favours the mouthy, loud types... Tom! <laughs> it can be frustrating for the deep <laughs> thinkers among us. And I'm jealous, by the way, to find their mark. That is why we have the utterly delightful Melitta Campbell on the show today. A word-winning business coach, professed introvert and author of the recently released book, A Shy Girl's Guide to Networking. To show us how to leverage our unique styles and personalities, overcome stuckness in public engagements, and bring method to what is considered a fairly methodless activity, networking. Let's, Let's go, go get, it. get it. Yes, I can't wait for this episode. We've got Melita in the building. Yes, Tom. Yes, thank you, Melita, so much for joining. Um, as always, we have told the, the audience a little bit about yourself, but just sort of the high and low points. But this is your moment to shine and to tell everybody who you are and what you're doing. So off you go. Give us your elevator pitch, but pick a nice tall building of your choosing. I would suggest the Eiffel Tower, generally speaking, but it's entirely up to you. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. So um, as I'm sure you've said in the introduction already, I'm a business coach, mainly for women. Um, and I really work with them to help them confidently communicate, market and sell their value to strengthen their mindset and expertly attract more of their dream clients. Because you don't want to be working with just anyone. It has to be those special right fit uh, clients. Um, they're the ones that are really going to help you build that business and have that joy uh, and a great experience every day. I've won uh, awards for my work. I've been nominated by LinkedIn one of the uh, sales influencers to watch this year. So it's great that not just through the clients, but through the client results that I get, but also through the the content that I share uh, across social media, my, my podcast, the Doom Female Entrepreneur podcast as well, that, mm. um, that, that, that result and the way I help people is being recognized. So um, yeah, so that's me. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for the quick introduction, but we've got plenty more to come from you. And I think it's a really exciting episode. Now, we always keep the best bits, the top tips to last. So be sure we have told you to keep them till the end. So make sure you listen in, whoever's listening to us now, all the way to the end. So all those top tips that you will have to do immediately after listening to this episode with Melita. Thank you again for, for being here. Um. We want to get into what we usually do is a bit of myth busting at the start. And the first part is extroverts versus introverts. And we're living in a work environment that appears to favor the loud and bold, where the displays of confidence can easily overshadow possible lack of competence. Um, basically, in short, extroverts are thought to have an easier time with everything, especially in the corporate world. Now, we try to unpick this a little bit on our show. So can we do that? Can you enlighten us a little bit? What are your marks and what are your, your kind of experiences between extrovert and introverts? And, and what else can you tell us about this? I know you talk about it a lot in all your work. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, yeah, I should have mentioned that in the introduction as well. But I'm <laughs> the author of the best-selling book, A Shy Girl's Guide to Networking. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I think it, there's a lot of misunderstanding around introverts and extroverts that yeah, extroverts speak up, introverts don't, um, and all of that kind of nonsense. And it's just not true at all. In fact, you know, when you look at some of the most successful um, transformational speakers out there, most of them are in introverts. If you look at the people like um, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, they're introverts. So introverts really can change the world, but they tend to have, um, well, maybe part of the reason for that is that they don't have so many passions they extroverts are people who they need 
new stimulus. They need busy environments in order to get energy and to 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 really get what they need from life. Whereas for introverts, it's the opposite. They they tend to have fewer passions, but they'll go really deep into those passions mm. as well. So um, so they they really are knowledge experts in particular areas um and they will instead of having like gazillion friends they'll they'll have just a small handful of people Mm -hmm. that they they know on a on a deeper level so there's there's they with introverts anything novel um anything that's too um overwhelming is is just exhausting for them so they can do this but only for short periods of time so um you'll often see uh introverted speakers who will be amazing on stage they'll spend a bit of time with their audience really with while they're still feeling pumped and then they'll go and have they'll have to have a quiet evening or a, a, a day off the next day to recuperate and get that energy back so it's not that they can't do it it's just that they need that balance um, uh, whereas extroverts just can just bounce around and have all these amazing experiences time after time, and and without and it, but for them, if it's too quiet, then then that's uh, unsettling for them. So COVID has been really difficult for the extroverts because mm-hmm. I, I know I've got a couple of extroverted clients, and and they've just been like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm just going insane um, here on my on my own, and for me, it was like I'm loving this. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so I think there's no difference for extroverts and introverts in terms of their ability to speak up, their willingness or ability to to really make arguments, to present, to to speak publicly, to do any of these things. There's there's there, there really isn't a difference. The only difference is um, if you want to. You know, for a lot of introverts, and in fact, for myself, and it's part of why I wrote the book. For a long time, I was telling myself that as a as a quiet shy person I couldn't do these things and I and I, for a long time I didn't want to so I didn't bother and it didn't bother me so I didn't network for the longest time um because I just didn't want to and it that was fine you know until I moved to Switzerland and I didn't know anyone I didn't have any friends I didn't have a, a business network at all so then I had to network but and I really really struggled with that until I just sat down and thought well why do I want to do this what does it really mean for me what's my vision how can I start to show up as myself in in this bizarre situation um and as soon as I understood my motivation and why I really wanted to do that and what it was going to give me it became much much easier to get out there and start networking and as soon as I created my own rules and decided to do it my way and it was okay if I wasn't the loudest person in the room if I wasn't constantly telling jokes and entertaining people because that was never going to be my style but if I could go and and look for ways to share value to help other people feel comfortable in those situations Mm -hmm. to to really plan ahead um and so I felt really comfortable that I had plenty to to share and offer the people in the environment it became much much easier and really really enjoyable and then very quickly I became known as for my network um and as people started to ask me to to speak at different stages, um, on stages and in organizations about how to build your network because they saw I'd done that so successfully. And then when I presented and, and gave my shy girls perspective, they were like, oh, but you're not shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I am. <laughs> um, I just found my own methodology around that. So I, I think this whole idea of introvert, extrovert is almost you know, nonsense in a way. Um, it just helped us to understand ourselves and our own needs um yeah. and to understand well where do, what do we want to do with our lives and how we're going to make that happen our way um so i think we almost put a lot of the pressure on ourselves to oh everyone else is doing this so i have to do that too um but it's it's, it's not necessarily the case at all this is already turning into one of these episodes that I absolutely love because you pick up on themes that we have heard from um, other from some of our other guest speakers from different perspectives and angles, whether this is around leadership or balancing your um, your emotional space at work. And so a lot of these topics we will unpack a little bit further, um, moving deeper into the episode, especially um, topics of style over who you actually are. So are there things that you can do tactically, like giving a speech, even though it's not necessarily your comfort zone? 
if you need it for your work and to go to the place that you want to be going. And the other point that I find so remarkable about your story is that we always talk about the importance of role models and about breaking um, these vicious cycles that have been created around certain character traits, especially in, uh, at work and in the office. And the fact that you are considering yourself a shy person and you're writing a book that is called The Shy Girl's Guide to Networking, for example, it takes, um, this is an adjective that is often used as something that is um weak or lesser than um, imagine there would be a job description that would not say we want you to spearhead something but we actually want to have somebody who can deep think and be self-sufficient um, so i'm finding this wonderful to be talk about words such um, as the word shy as something that is not something that is lesser than or something that you should try to relinquish or let go of but rather something to recognize about yourself yeah, it is interesting you said that. For a long time, I, I did debate about the title. It was a title that came to me naturally, but then it's mm. like, but as you said, you know, I was like, but people are going to think that it's it's like, oh, oh, oh poor me kind of <laughs> field book, <laughs> which is, it definitely doesn't have that at all. Um, and I didn't want people to feel that it was it was it was weak in any way. Um, but uh, in fact, as soon as I put the title out there, you know, it resonated so deeply with so many people. Mm. And I, I haven't really done anywhere near enough promotion for the book as, as I'd like to do. But even so, people are, I'm still getting approached by people to ask me to, to speak at different organizations and some of the biggest companies in the world around the Shy Girls Guide to Speak Networking because they recognize that there are a lot of people who are missing out on their career and they're, mm. and they're not taking the responsibility to move forward because they're not speaking up enough because mm. for one reason or another, they feel shy. And shy is, you know, extroverts can be shy. You know, it's, oh, it's yeah. shy isn't something that's introvert or extrovert. It's really a sense. And I often say, you know, in as, as a business coach, if you're not showing up in your business, um, you're, you're being shy. And if people can't see anything about your business on Facebook, then you're being shy about your business or if you're not mm. charging your worth, you're being shy. And it's the same with your career. If, you, if you're not speaking up in, in meetings and standing up for your own values, then you, you are being shy and timid about your career. And, you know, you, you need to turn that around. That's our responsibility to do that. I mean, there's definitely a lot of scope for companies to, to make a more equal um, environment that welcomes everybody regardless of whatever um but i think we can we can do a lot mm. for ourselves as well so to help ourselves push outside that comfort zone because it, it is a comfort zone but there's no growth there um and it's only through learning and growing that we we really start to contribute more mm. and that's where fulfillment comes from so it's really important which is a mixture really... sorry, sorry don't... i was going to say you can also be a mixture of both because mm. we spoke at when we when we talked the other week that I felt I'm a bit like that like a mixture of both you know when you're confident in something or you know the topic you're you're more extrovert and then when you're a bit shyer in different situations or you're a bit more introvert so you can also be both I think um I feel that myself like there's yeah. definitely situations where I feel very introvert like in the in a busy bar or something like that compared to you know with a group of friends where I can be much more extrovert so just yeah, wanted to exactly. point that out as well I think there's a bit of, you know, that you have the extremes and then you have like the ambiverts in the middle that it varies from situation to situation. Mm. And, I, and I heard that someone, it's someone like Carol Dweck, but I'm not sure if it was her, um, that's doing some research and they've discovered that there isn't like introvert and extrovert. They've identified it's either six or eight different versions of that and you get to choose. You get mm. to choose which version is going to help you most in your life mm -hmm. about what you want to achieve and you can become that person like I was shy and introverted and well I'm still introverted but I've been able to choose not to be shy anymore um mm -hmm. and you know it still gets me in certain situations but for, for most of what I want I've been able to, to to change that and but it was it all came from just deciding or well, one deciding when you decide to do something it makes everything else falls into place but also understanding that it was important to me um and for a long time you know, I was just wishing and wishing isn't a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually a wonderful, wonderful bridge to um, the next topic. And I think you've spoken about this plenty in the past couple of minutes already, but a frequent, you know, this is a topic that frequently features on our show and especially on social media, where we're being told that authenticity, uh, the strange demand that we have to be this one thing and follow this one personality formula or risk as you know, not being our true selves or not being perceived as being our true selves. And, um, some are being inauthentic. 
And we are um, not a philosophy show. Um, you know, we are a show that aims to give people practical insights into how they can master their career journey and thrive. So what is your perspective on this point with respect to um, what currently passes for introversion? Um, are you, as, as a person, are you stuck in being who and what you are? Or do we all have range and adaptability and the power to tactically behave in the workplace to achieve our goals so in short can introverts win in an extrovert favoring game which is you know at least corporate um is very much so oh absolutely we, we totally can uh, i know in my career so i was when i moved over here to switzerland i started a new department and it was only me i didn't know anyone um and it was i was kind of like probably four layers down from the top of the, the organization um, but within 18 months, I was reporting directly to the CEO, which is mm. the point where I asked if I could create a women's network to inspire more of the women in the bank. So I was working in private banking and honestly didn't really know much about finance. Uh, my expertise is more in communication and, and marketing. But because I was able to speak up and to to be authentically myself in every situation, that built trust and credibility. Um, <clears throat> and I think... I saw a lot of the women around me feeling that they had to be more masculine or more aggressive and that what didn't feel good to them. So then they weren't being consistent and then they weren't, um, they weren't building credibility. In fact, um, I'm wondering if I didn't even say this, but one of the men in the organization turned around to me at one point and said, Oh, you're not like those other tarantulas in the bank. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <no. laughs> yeah. Well, that's how the senior women were seen in the organization. Yeah because they weren't being themselves that they they weren't trusted they weren't mm. being seen as uh, as an open communicator um and so that really you know held them back massively so this i you, it's so so important to to be yourself um regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert but just to know your values know what you're what you're willing to stand up for what you're willing to let slide um and, and show up consistently as that and it, it's really easy to be consistent if you're really being yourself, you know, as long as you're not an awful person, which I don't think any of your listeners really are. But, you know, but it takes time to identify, well, what are your values? And what do those values mean to you? It's because you know, we, we can find a list of values on Google, but what certain values will mean to different people is completely different. So it's definitely, that's one of the biggest recommendations I would give to anyone whether they have their own business or they're in a career or they're, they're a mom at home with the kids is really understand what, what's, what's important to you and then build everything around that, build your priorities and your boundaries around that and, and your messaging around that as well. Um, I think the biggest sign that I succeeded in that was when I was in, in the bank and I was, I was pregnant um, I was suffering from morning sickness, so I wasn't necessarily terribly present in this particular meeting um, <laughs> with some of the top leaders in the bank. And at one point, everyone turned around and looked at me and was like, oh, gosh, what's happened here? And they're like, aren't you going to say something to him? Because they, everyone around the, the, the table knew that if I was listening and present, <laughs> that I would have argued back with someone that, that, with a suggestion that they'd made. And at that moment, one, I felt terrible that I'd kind of totally missed the the moment but I felt so proud and and pleased that people understood who I was and what I stood for and that that was being recognized in the bank um, and so I think that really that that was just one big standout memory for me and I think that's where you don't I, I wasn't I was never the loudest person in the room but I would make a clear point and it was always well thought through being an introvert we have that advantage we really really uh, are quite good at deep thinking as you said earlier so it was well thought through I present I've worked a lot on my personal communications um through uh, I joined Toastmasters and worked on my public speaking which really helped me massively to to structure my thoughts clearly in meetings so I was able to make my point make it clearly and people got to know what my values were and I got pulled in yeah it really gave me so much trust and recognition and that's what got me to the top of the organization um, not my performance well my, my I performed well in my department as well um but I think it was just that one thing it's just knowing your values and sticking to it so yeah I think you, you, uh, introverts can absolutely win in a corporate environment as long as they know who they are and they build that that 
inner confidence as well, that kind of inner self-image of themselves as, as successful and standing for something. Oh, there's so many things I want to talk about in what you've just said there. I mean, it's a brilliant example um, for anyone in business and going through the corporate world, especially that, you know, I think one of the things that sticks out is the moment you speak as well, right? You don't have to speak all the time in a meeting, but it's the picking that right moment. I remember I had a mentor, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but who told me that she said, make sure that you pick the right moment to say what you're going to say, because often like you try to put bring it in at the start of the meeting and then someone else says it later on and they they're the ones who get their recognition for the for the comment or whatever so there's so many things that I want to pick out from there and also um networking and we're going to go into that now because what you're talking about is how it doesn't happen overnight you spend a lot of time building this you know learning and teaching yourself and going to Toastmasters was a great example as well because it's not easy to do it yourself to just learn these things you have to go and like get out there and go to things like Toastmasters which we'll put in the the show notes I think Tom because it's a really good example of you know joining a group that can help you to come out of yourself and and feel more comfortable speaking up and it doesn't have to be on stage it's just in a meeting as you've just mentioned right because Mm -hmm. some people find it so hard to do that um So we're going to go into networking, though, because part of your story has that in there and it's external versus internal. So, you know, we want to talk a little bit about both, um, but we also want to get a bit more practical and dig into how you as an introvert, sorry, um, do something that's challenging for everybody, which is networking. Um, we hate the word as well sometimes, but <laughs> we, we don't know what else to call it, but it's it's something that we need to talk about. Um, and how has your network benefited you? And and as I've mentioned already, you grew this over time and it didn't happen overnight. And what happened then, <clears throat> excuse me, was when you you left the bank, you were, had this network that you had built over time, right? So can you talk a little bit more about that and how you did it? Yeah. So I, I, had, I didn't have a network before I moved to Switzerland and I had never really done networking. So I didn't really know what to expect from my network at all. But um yeah we said the other day having a network is better than google you you can get any answer you want from people that you that are experts in that area and can give you more information or they Mm -hmm. can put directly uh say oh i don't know but speak to so-and-so you'll get that information um and then it's it's much more personalized so it's 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 faster and better than google um and it's really the shortest route to anything you want if you want to if you want to speak on more stages, for example, then go to your network and people that already know, like, and trust you are going to love helping you and giving you, and they, they can recommend you as well. And you already have that um, sort of third party endorsement. If someone else recommends you for, you've got that event coming up, you need, really need to to get Melita in to speak on uh, because she's great, you know, and then they're like, oh, okay. You know, you've already jumped to the top of the queue almost with that recommendation. So having that network has really helped me in so many ways but one of the very first ways I think was was setting up that women's network in the bank that you know, I, I probably wouldn't have had that idea even if someone in my network hadn't invited me to go to a women's network event that they were go- going to and for a long time I was like I don't need a women's network I don't feel held back being a woman um which I didn't genuinely um but then I went and it was incredible. Just it, it was just such a different energy. And the, the, when they, what we were learning wasn't like corporate learning where you learn how you do your job better. It was really helping you to explore who you were um, and, and see things differently from a different angle. And I really, really loved it. And I loved the, the role models, how inspired I felt, how it did help me feel I could do more in my business. Um, and just, and the, networking was felt really friendly um and so there was just so many aspects about it that I loved that that's when I reached that that point in my career that I wanted I saw the opportunity to to sort of pass that back instead of women's network within the bank that came from an idea from my network um and once I did set that up I was able to get some amazing speakers and a lot of support and ideas from um from my network so I had women in my network who had also um created networks so they were able to help me a lot there was one particular lady 
who was my sort of my counterpart in another company, but she'd also done this women's networks and she gave me so many tools and ideas and support and told, sat down and we had a coffee and showed me exactly what did work, what didn't work, what she'd learned. So that shortcut my process massively. Um, and I met some able to, able to make so many, uh, that, that it was really, that network was such a success because of my network. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it helped grow my network further as well. And, and it helped me to be seen for my values even further. So it's really an echo of what I believed was mm. was in that was built into that that whole um, structure. So it, it really helped me in so many ways. But what I did learn is the more I put out through my network, I get to, I get things back ten times. So it's really serving others and and adding value and helping others. It's and sharing is really at the heart of any successful uh, network that you create. And I think that's something that introverts really excel at. They do love learning and sharing that, what they've learned and sharing their insights um, once they have uh, that opportunity and the platform to do so. What I also learned with networking is that there's three parts and there's what you do before the network event or whatever situation it may be, there's what you do at the event and there's what, you do afterwards to follow up and what happens at the event is is you almost don't even need to go to the event to make it successful it's what you do before and after that really count and the best thing is that 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 before and after part really plays to the strengths of the introvert because we love planning and feeling um prepared and doing research and really understanding and thinking ahead and all of that is is really in the domain of the introvert and following up afterwards, it's all about continuing to add value to, to um, and, and sharing further as well. And again, that's something that introverts are really good at. So the only piece that was more of a struggle is that middle bit, the actual networking <laughs> itself. Um, but then when you break it down, so I set my own rules that, you know, if I just went to a networking event, 20 minutes, but to one person, mm-hmm. that, that's fine. You know, I can call that a success. Um, so I decided to make it easier for myself and took the pressure away. So I was under no pressure to perform. I decided that was not what I was going to be doing at all. My focus was going to be, well, how can I quietly add value to every conversation? How can I make sure that everyone I meet walks away feeling a bit better about themselves or having felt good about having that the, the conversation, the interaction we had? And it didn't, I didn't have to be loud or funny or anything like that, just that they, they walked away a little taller. That was kind of my plan. Um, so, so that's what I did. And because it, I broke it down and made it what felt good for me personally, then, and, and sort of played to my strengths, then it, then it worked and I started to really enjoy it. And people liked the way I helped them feel good about themselves. And you know, we, we have this feeling that to be interesting, you have to be the one talking the whole time. Um, and if you've ever had someone talk to you the whole time, you'll find they're not that interesting. To be interesting, you have to speak for about 20% of the time. You have to ask the questions. You have to be interested in other people. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, that is something that introverts are very strong at and works very well for our personalities. So in fact, once you break it down and you look at the whole process, there's, there's really not much of that that introverts can't like, really excel at. Um, and in fact, I think some of the strongest networkers are introverts. Um, there's there's one person I know on LinkedIn uh, who's based in Australia, and he's got more than 100,000 contacts in his network. And we, we spoke and we, we had a, a live interview when I launched a book. And he said afterwards that, oh, by the way, I'm an introvert too. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, please. Yeah, so you know, there's 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 really nothing we 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 can't do. It's just breaking it down and and playing by your own mm. rules effectively. Which I think is also another brilliant point. One, I'm in love with a three-step process, and you will laugh. I'll send this to you once we're done recording here. But I wrote um, a short how-to manual about how to do virtual events and succeed at them in terms of network network expansion very recently with the same three-step approach. And I'm loving it so much because there's something in it for everybody where you can play with your strengths um, and where you can say, this is how I function the best and where my strengths will show and be of value to other people the most if you break things down to small little steps and you create rules for your engagement for yourself um i'm i always thought that if you go to events especially if they're in person unless you are 
um, incredible, unforgettable, and you dominate the room because there's all these loud voices around you, then nobody will care. But I think you're right. I think being interested um, creates so much more interest in other people than you just talking at them incessantly. Um, talking of rules, before we hop into the next question, you told me this brilliant story, which is yet another myth that we can bust here real quick. Uh, because oftentimes it's introverts have these extra hurdles to overcome when it comes to public speaking or um, engagements and have to create all these rules for themselves to push past some of the you know i would rather not be here or rather not do this right now but you told us of an extrovert that you um know that uh, has a very similar set of rules for themselves to conquer um networking events and not get frazzled by them do you mind to elaborate real quick oh gosh i need to remember now so there was um <laughs> there was a radio host that that i spoke with recently and he loved the book and that my structure because he said it helped him as an extrovert because he knew that because he got so much energy from these events mm-hmm. that he was like a puppy and just bounding around and annoying people. <laughs> and he, but he said, and in my mind, I'm thinking, stop this, stop this. <laughs> but, but he couldn't stop himself. So he's been able to use the, 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 the framework that I, I create in the book, the victory formula to, to hold, him, hold himself back and really think more, a bit more um, strategically about his network and how he wants to be, seen and what his brand is so he still has just so much energy but he's been able to rein it in and, and make it more useful for people as well mm-hmm. and he's kind of taken this 80 20 balance and and you know he was definitely the 80 percent that were just out there the whole time um, but he's been able to bring that back a little bit and, and have much more success as well and there you have it listeners out there in the audience <laughs> loud is not always better so rein it in and really really <laughs> introspect um, on what works for you in these moments, whether it's building your network or being in a meeting, you know, feel yourself and feel the room and um, see how your behavior is changing the atmosphere in that space. But I want to go on a quick detour, Melita, before we go into um, mindset questions. Um, we spoke about this in the pre-chat as well, and I think it is really worth mentioning here again. Out there in the world um, of career gurus, um, among which we now also are, um, we are presented with a really sharp divide. There are things that you do while you are in a nine to five job versus there are things that you do when you are launching or running a new business and becoming an entrepreneur, um, such as networking. You know, it appears to be reserved for the business owner, the um, entrepreneurial bunch, really. So what is your take on this? Is networking something that um, you should do all the time, really? Or is it only when you say business launch now? Yeah, no, all the time for sure. All the time. All the time. Um, and it was interesting that I was I was just speaking to um, a psychotherapist uh, about mindset and how those people that have gone from a corporate environment to launching their own business, one of the biggest things is that shift in mindset because it's so different. But then retrospectively. I feel it shouldn't be that different because we really need to take more responsibility for our careers and not just say, oh, I'm, I'm in a job. I just I just go along with everything I'm told and mm-hmm. wait sort of patiently for someone to see, oh, I've done a good job or HR to say, oh, there's this opening. Um, and instead, just create our own path, create our own businesses. And I've, I've, you know, I think pretty much every role I've ever had in an organization has been one I've created. And certainly the one I was given when I first joined the next role was one that I created for myself because I could spot a gap in, in the organization. I could see something that I was mm-hmm. passionate about and how I could solve that. Um, so it was much more of a sort of entrepreneurial spirit in there. And I think you know, in corporate, we have much more to gain from having that, that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and taking more responsibility for our own personal growth. Um, that's really important. It's, it's not up to your, your boss to, see you grow into your potential i know that's what it says in every company brochure (laughs) but it's really um you know no one's going to care more about that than ourselves so i think there's much more we can do and your network is an amazing way to achieve that personal growth it's we you know yes for if you have a business it will help you find your next clients get referrals all of that great stuff but as a career it will also open your eyes to what what you're missing. It can help you understand new markets. It can help you see your current challenge from different perspectives. You'll just be inspired by what other people are are doing and learning and growing and achieving. Uh, There's just so much you get from your network. It's not just about finding a client or getting a referral, getting that next job. It's all about, personally, I believe it's all about the personal growth as well. Um, 
as I said, when I launched that network within the bank, this is all career stuff, all career building things. Um, it was my network that helped me grow that and make it a success. And in doing that and bringing my network in, it built my credibility even further, which mm. meant that, you know, well, I, I left the organization in the end, but I'm still really in touch with a lot of people within the bank. And I know that if I ever did want to rejoin the corporate environment, um, I, I've got all these wonderful people to reach out to and say, I'm ready <laughs> um, and, and see what's out there. But, <clears throat> you know, I can't actually see myself doing that anymore. I'm having too much fun out here. Um, but it's, it's, I think there's a network just benefits everybody, whatever, regardless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you've, you kind of mentioned our, our kind of question was about ma- mindset next, but you already talked about that. So it's really important that, you know, the mindset plays a critical role in a lot in everything we do um, and how we want to move ourselves forward and um, how we learn and how we grow. And I think we spoke about that throughout the whole podcast we don't need to go into it too much I think it's through it's definitely peppered through the whole thing and talking about learning and growing and everything like that it is all a mindset because we can't just wait for anyone else to do things for us right we really need to learn ourselves and put ourselves out there so then the next bit we wanted to go into was DEI and advocacy because you already spoke about setting up a network and we've did the same so Tom and myself um we had a network for the LGBT community within the company we're working in and actually it's gone on to become a big global employee resource group so we wanted to touch on this a little bit more and how we think about and oftentimes we think about diversity equity and inclusion as topics that are more maybe just race and ethnicity, sexual orientation and gender, but it's much, much more than that. We have, of course, neurodiversity and um, disabilities. And even when we talked about extroversion and introversion as well, we have different traits. We're all different. Um, so we wanted to get into a little bit more about why diverse thinking matters and why you were able to create that um, group that you did and what was the importance of that and how a legacy you've left as well. Can we talk a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I originally got my degree from a, an art school. So my it was a business degree, it was design management, but from an art school perspective, which meant that we took this creative approach to everything. Um, and I think that, that's helped me see the world a little bit differently because there's nothing more diverse than the, the art world almost, you know. Um, and I remember we had this lesson in leadership and we had to create, um, we had to like, think about what we what we felt about leadership and, and and what that meant and express our energy in finger painting on this big piece of paper on the wall um <laughs> which was just like you what now <laughs> yeah. but, but we did it um and then actually a pretty, <clears throat> I can really picture this this thing that I created and I was like oh that's quite abstract but it that felt really meaningful for me and I really loved it and then so he was like great uh so now rip that up we're like <laughs> what? No, I'm just so proud of this thing I've made. Um, so we had to rip it up and then she goes, right, now I want you to take that feeling again and re-express it using the pieces of what you've made. So then we did that and and you know, I was proud of that result as well. And it really did come across. And I think the idea that they were really trying to get across is that there is no one way. There is no one answer. There's no this is better than that way. And when we see things from different perspectives when we have that courage to rip up the rule book and put it back together again we can always come up with something better and I think the more voices in that mix the better it's going to be at the end and you don't want a whole group of people that can agree with you because that's not diversity um but once you you know if you have policies within an organization that that support the working parent and the 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 person with who is quieter and the person who who sees love in different ways you know you're always going to come up with a better policy right it's good it's just common sense to me <laughs> um, and I think it's just it's just a great way to make the world a richer more interesting place where we can really focus in on well how do we get the best solutions here how do we get the best results for people and not on worrying about who those people are that are coming up with the solutions. Um, it's really got to be that problem focused. I remember when I first started my first business, I was really scared because I thought no one would take me seriously as a mom because that's what I'd seen in the corporate environment. But from the outside, nobody cares. You know, mm-hmm. I could give them the result that they were looking for. 
I understood their problem and they liked the way I was going to solve it. Um, and that's all that they mattered about. So I was like, hang on a minute. If on the outside, um, anyone can create anything and make it a success and nobody cares who they are, why do we care about that so much on the inside? Um, you know, there's, there's a wonderful lady in Lausanne who is wanted to work in the beauty industry, but she, no one would take her because she was disabled. So she started her own business and she's created a fantastic cosmetics company. She's this amazing beauty influencer mm-hmm. and she's in a wheelchair, but that's, that suddenly that's just become so irrelevant. Um, so I think we need to think less about who are the people involved around the table. That seems to be the most important thing often. Like, who are the people around the table? It doesn't <laughs> matter. It's, it's, are they contributing to a better world yeah. and a better solution is, is really what I think we should be more preoccupied with. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing now is like, yeah, you can invite me to the table, but if I'm still not allowed to speak, then what's the point, right? So it's mm-hmm. really about inclusive uh, behaviors and making sure everybody's heard. I think that's a really great point to pull out of this. And the other thing is you said, um, you know, it's common sense. It's common sense to quite a lot of us, but it's not common sense to everybody. So how do we make sure that people actually get it and they understand and they become more inclusive, especially in business? Like I've just said, it's not just about being diverse. They can say that's easy. You know, you can hire people and have percentages of different, especially they always talk about women. We've got 50% women, blah, blah, blah. But are they actually being heard? Are they actually being promoted? Are they in senior leadership positions just because you're diverse means nothing if they're not included and they're not being part of these big positions and they're not being heard that's a different story so how do we do that how do, how do companies change that and be more productive in that way you know I don't really feel I can speak much about the leadership policies that's not really my area of expertise but and and there's a lot that can be done there and there are amazing people that are really making a huge difference I'm helping them see that it, they may think they're thinking equality and diversity, um, but they're not. <laughs> and I, th- I, one that I read an amazing article recently where most directors um, think that they are more um, more on board with diversity and inclusion than their colleagues, but they don't feel their colleagues are evolved enough yet for them to bring it up in a, in a meeting. So therefore, no one's mm. saying anything. Um, but as soon as that this particular um, lady went in and she was able to unpick this, then they suddenly realized that collectively um, there was an awful lot they could be doing, but they were each holding each other back. So it, that was a really nice um, thing. So I think it's it's just having more courage at every level of the organization, having more courage at the top to say, look, we're, we're actually going to do this. Come on, how are we going to make this work? Um, and then courage it from the, from the lower levels to say, you know, that, that table over there with that discussion, I can contribute to that. Like, I, invite me. And I did that, you know, um, when I was responsible for communication, it was still quite a new uh, department within the, the bank I worked at. So people, I wasn't invited to meetings that I should have been because people didn't know. So if I heard of a meeting, I would go and knock on their door and say, hi, <laughs> you haven't met me yet, but this is what I do. And that meeting you've got, I can really contribute to that. Mm. And I'd make a point of turning up and, and, not overruling the, the meeting at all, but making sure that I was adding value, clear value, and then I was invited back the next time. Um, and if there was ever a meeting that didn't involve me, then I would go and ask, you know, well, why wasn't I invited? Was there um, was there a particular reason or did you just not know? Because I would love to be party of, the, of how this develops in the future and maybe you can fill me in, um, that kind of thing. So you do have to kind of, put yourself out there and insert yourself into some of these conversations but as long as you're doing so from the right point of view and you are adding value then then usually that's welcomed it was um when I ran the women's network it was quite interesting because one of the reasons I set it up was because I was seeing that there were lots of women who weren't being promoted that were incredibly smart and experienced but they just weren't progressing partly because they've been told so many times, oh, you can't do that, you're a woman, that they started to believe it, um, but partly because the, the culture just wasn't there. Um, I invited men to join the conversation as well within the network, mm. and when I spoke to them afterwards and said, well, what, what do you get from this? Um, a big thing that they said was that, you know, this is the first time we've heard women speak up. We, we knew we had talented women in our teams, but we didn't have the confidence that if we promoted them, 
they would be then the spokesperson for our department. We just weren't sure that they would be able to do that, that they would speak up um, and represent us well. But as soon as they saw that women could do that, then that gave them the courage to uh, to to then promote them, and they did extremely well. Mm-hmm. There was one man in the organisation who was perhaps seen as one of the most sexist <laughs> amongst nope. the women's network, um, but he he came along, and everyone was quite surprised that he came. But he's like, yeah, I really um, I'm aware that I'm not supporting the women in my bank in my team as much as the men, but I don't know how to. I don't know what mm-hmm. they need, and I don't think I'm getting it right. Um, which he definitely wasn't from <laughs> from the way <laughs> he was perceived. But then it, everyone really appreciated the fact that he came and he wanted to learn. And then he did promote two particular women in the in his organ in his team. Uh, and and then uh, when he left the bank, it was the women he took with him because mm-hmm. he's like, know oh, I can't. They're too valuable now. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah. So I think there's it, it, it's on all angles. There's changes required, but the one thing that we can all do is is take that responsibility for ourselves to be that bit more courageous to insert ourselves in into the conversation, but do so in a way that's like value driven and you know not aggressive in any way, but really for the better good of the of the organization. That's brilliant. And literally the best bit at the end, like that story is amazing and just shows you that it's education, right, as well as people actually stepping up and and understanding that they're not doing the right thing either and they want to learn i think that's absolutely brilliant and thank you so much you've given us so much to think about here um especially on those last points i think they're brilliant and understanding that and how to make make people get it is is really important too the importance of your small groups you know you think you're setting up this group to help just each other but then things like that happen and this is why you do it in the end so over to you tom you know, we are a show that keeps its promises. So as <laughs> promised at the beginning, Melita, here's your last and final challenge for this episode. Um, for anybody out there, whether they are um, of a more more on the extroversion spectrum or more on the introversion spectrum, whether they are a manager in, the, in a leadership position or just somebody who needs to really advocate for themselves, what are your top three tips that you would wish for people they would uh, to start to do more of? Once this episode is concluded and they get back to the day-to-day lives, what are the top three things you would wish they would start doing to make this world one that is more equitable and happier? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I think the the number one thing is to know yourself because you can't show up with confidence or authenticity if you're not being yourself. You won't attract the right people and opportunities to you if you're not being yourself. Um, but I think not many of us have ever taken that time to think, well, what what is important to me what are my values what does that mean to me how is that going to affect how I show up in the world how I show up speak up in meetings or don't mm. um you know so, so taking that time to understand that is I think is really the the key thing to do and it's something that we can all do it just takes a bit of time and a bit of thought um the other thing is to you you've talked touched on mindset a few times but I think mindset is really everything because how we think about ourselves or a situation impacts how we feel about that and how we feel about it impacts our actions and therefore our results and if we feel that something isn't isn't possible for us or it's not accessible to us then we don't take those right actions but if we just change our thinking around that and think well why not why don't I give this a try and well let's mm. see what happens here and get a bit more curious um, and give yourself permission to to think what if and and start to get more um to try new things and push outside your comfort zone once you can prove to yourself that you know well actually if I do ask if I can be invited to a meeting um and I didn't get fired and actually I was able to make my point and and people like responded to that then we need to take that those those um proof points that yes it can work for us and it won't work in every situation not everyone is open to 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 that but there will be people that will be so i think get a bit more braver in in putting yourself out there mm. um and but look I, I encourage all my clients to do this and i think it would be great for for anyone who wants to grow is to have a success journal so every time you you do something and it goes well or anytime someone says thank you um or any good things that happen 
write that down and look for the proof that yes, you can do these things, that yes, you can speak up, that yes, people do value what you have to say, or they do value your contribution. It create, collect these things because we forget. And when someone says something negative, then we can refocus, well, we focus in on that negative point and we forget all the good things. But if we have them written down, then we can continually to keep ourselves brave or keep ourselves mm. getting out there and being more courageous because we, we can convince ourselves that we are worth it. We do have value to offer. Um, so I think th- those are some simple things that, that anyone can do and, and really start to see the difference really, really quickly. The other thing to do on, on the mindset part, but also it's life-changing, and it can do it in literally seconds, is uh, gratitude. So keeping a gratitude journal, so it, and it links into this idea that you, you're changing your thoughts and the way you feel about your situation and opportunities. It's just at the end of every day, just write down three things that you're grateful for. And it sounds simple, and at first it can be quite difficult. You yeah. think, well, you know, everything went wrong today, but you'll find something bit by bit that you're grateful for. And as as you go through this process, you'll find more and more things and it will become easier and easier. And you'll write the whole page at the end of every day of all the amazing things that happened. And it can be something as simple as I, you, I got on the bus and the driver smiled at me, which made me feel <laughs> good. You know, it doesn't have to be huge things like, oh, I got a promotion today. It can be all these tiny little things. But it just shifts your perspective that you're in a world that that values you, that gives you um, gives you opportunities, that's full of abundance. And so that idea of that practice of gratitude is, is honestly it just changes everything, and it's it takes minutes to do a day. I love these. I must listen back to them actually, which I have to do anyways because I'm always recording, uh, um, editing these episodes, so I get to experience everything twice <laughs> by default. Melita, thank you so much for your many wisdoms. To anybody out there in the audience, we will link uh, Melita's social, her podcast, um, Toastmasters, uh, the link to her book homepage, everything in the show notes down below. So whatever podcast player you're using, just hop back into this episode and you'll find a bit of blurb about the episode but underneath that all the juicy bits and how to get in touch with Melita if you too want to have a bit more of a slice um, than just this episode so thank you so much for your many wisdoms and your time Melita you're welcome it's been a lot of fun thank you hey 